0: Well, the first time from me, good morning. We're glad you're here today. Thank you so much for coming. And uh, if you've chosen to worship with us, we are very grateful for that. We have figured out there are other churches in town where you could go and worship, but you chose to come here and thank you so much for that. And uh, for our guests today, some of you that are, are, are new here, I want to tell you that, that, you know, again, we're glad you came. You're catching the very tail end of a series. I cannot believe this. If I, if my math is right, we began this series two, series two months ago. We had an opening uh, sermon, and then we did the seven churches in church number seven. I tell you what, time goes by so very, very quickly. And this is such an appropriate um, end to, this, to these messages. Very grateful. I'll say this, too. If you're here today and, and you're not yet a Christ follower, then you'd say, no, nah, I'm probably not a Christian. I'm here today. i got good news for you. See, you're going to buy today, okay? Because we are going to talk to the people that belong to the church, okay? So you're here today and you don't belong to the church, and you're here just because somebody invited you something, you got a total pass. You can sit by and go, yeah, get those guys, man, all right? So we're very glad you came, and we hope you get something from today. You'll learn maybe a little bit about uh, the church and about Jesus and who He is and who His people are supposed to be. So we're really glad that you came also. Now, the church that we're going to talk about today... Probably of the seven is the most famous and it is the church of Laodicea, Laodicea. Um, You know, there's just no two ways around it. If you're going to pick churches, again, this is not geography lesson. This is not historical lesson. But if you're really going to pick a church today, in my opinion, as your pastor, If you're going to pick a church that really, really, really identifies with the church in the 21st century, it just has to be the church of Laodicea. And it's called, if you saw the video, and I hope you've liked that video because you've seen it eight times, okay? Um, If you liked that video, you notice it said lukewarm. And you know, lukewarm is kind of a weird thing, you know? Um, I had an old friend of mine named Les McDonald. And Les was one of the icons of Cobden. And I met him one day. He was walking by the church. And he had a sickle in his hand. You know, the kind that you, you know, the sickle. And so I said, hmm, that's interesting. So he, he kind of walked stooped over like this, kind of talking to himself. He lived in a shelter care home. And I said, hey, how you doing? He goes, uh, uh, hey, you know. And I said, do you go to church anywhere? And he goes, no. I said, well, you ought to come to our church. We'd love to have you. guess what he did? He came. Fortunately, he left the sickle at home. He did, you know, because you know, just kind of like, you know, my, I'm not sure. I don't watch those horror movies, but I think one of them had a sickle in it, you know. And so, me and I, Les and I became friends, and he became one of our most faithful attenders at Dorsville. And I even had the at Cobden, I even had the privilege of, of baptizing him. He came in one day, and and I asked him about, about you know, do you believe in Jesus? And understand? Now, now, Les was a lot smarter. People gave him credit for, and he really came to the point where he understood he was a sinner, and God was not, and he needed a Savior. And so he asked Jesus Christ to come in his heart. And several months later, uh, I got the privilege of baptizing him. He came in and said, I didn't start the conversation. He goes, I want to be baptized. I said, now, listen, I know. You understand that means i got to put you under the water? And he goes, yeah, yeah, I understand that. You know, I'm, I, I believe in Jesus and I want to be baptized because he told me to. And it's my privilege to baptize him. But but night, I, the, the center of our conversation, he would walk into my office on any given day and he'd say something like, hey, hey, you have any old cold coffee? Of course, he didn't have any teeth, so the lips kind of rattled together and came out, you know, sounded really cool. And so I'd say, yeah, Les, you know. And usually the coffee was hot, okay? But the bottom line is, Les really enjoyed coffee. It didn't matter if it was cold. It didn't matter if it was hot. It didn't matter if it was lukewarm. Les liked coffee. Now, I'll tell you something. There's one thing I don't like, and that is Lukewarm coffee. Now, what happens is, you know, again, I've got to be careful of time today. I don't want to take too many stories, but I'm trying to set up the message for you. You know, when I, when I study for my messages, I get really intense in writing and studying. And I'll have a cup of coffee sitting here, and I, like 20 minutes will pass, and I'm not even totally like aware of it. And I'll pick that cup up, and it's just, it's just, ugh. And, you know, and generally speaking, I wouldn't drink it. I'd either go back and pour it in the pot and say, let's try again. You know, heat it up that way or I was it in the toilet upstairs. You know, get rid of it. I don't like lukewarm. Now, now, thanks to modern technology, you know, not only do we have hot coffee and I like my coffee hot. I'm like my father in law, Roy Smith Allen. I could take one boiling hot. And I've learned how to <sighs> sip that puppy and just get it in my mouth and like around like that and doesn't even burn my mouth. I love hot coffee, but I've learned to like cold coffee. It was just last year that our granddaughter faith, we were going down to Florida on vacation, and, and she introduced us to McDonald's frappes, caramel frappes. She said, I want one of them, and you know, Papa wants to give her everything she wants. So she got a frappe, and we said, let me taste that thing. Shoot, have y'all had a caramel frappe? I t- That thing's good, man. And now, now we make every excuse possible to go down and get us a caramel frappe. It's a good thing. So I learned to like hot coffee, and I learned to like cold coffee. I just haven't got the lukewarm thing down. And, and the key thing about the, the church at Laodicea, it was lukewarm spiritually. And it's a really, really powerful message. Now, now Laodicea was, again, one of the last of the seven churches we're going to talk about. But it had several attributes. One of it, the, the biggest thing about Laodicea, of all the seven cities we've talked about where these churches were, it is the richest. By far, it is the wealthiest church that it was. In fact, that made it a very independent city. Um, one of its claims of fame was black wool. It had, a, it had a, 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 a thing that made wool there and made it, I mean, it just demanded a huge price in an in, in ancient Middle East area. I mean, people would go to Laodicea to see it, to get this black wool. Uh, that it was um, had a medical school there, had a medical school there and very famous for its eye ointment. The doctors there, the, the physicians had come up with the, some minerals and stuff and they mixed it together, make a salve. And it was great for your eyes. So there are several things that Laodicea were famous for. OK, now the independence thing is really huge. I mean, they really were an independent city. In fact, in A.D. 17, uh, a massive uh, earthquake destroyed, I think it was Sardis and Pergamus, I believe it was, and also destroyed Laodicea. And as a Roman providence, the Imperial Rome sent a, a letter to them and said, Hey, we want to help you guys out. We know your city's been destroyed. We want to give you guys some aid. And you know what Laodicea said? We don't need your help. We are such a wealthy city. We can rebuild our own city. In fact, that's exactly what they did. They were very, very independent. Now, here's the problem. The church took on the culture or the character of the city. The church in Laodicea took on the culture or the character of the city. And just like the city said, hey, Rome, we don't need your help. Then the church also developed that independence. But unfortunately, their independence wasn't from Rome. It was from God. It was from God. So our scripture this morning is Romans chapter, I said Romans, Revelation chapter 3, verse 14 through 22. Revelation chapter 3, verse 14 through 22. One more time. Write to the angel or to the pastor or to the messenger of the church in Laodicea. Okay? So, so writing to this church. Now, one more time. By the way, I'm officially ready to announce it. This study has totally changed my mindset about church, about The fact, you know, I remember David, when we talked in our office one time, I was talking about the fact that that in the the Greek, the word church is just not there. It's, It's ekklesia, it means called out ones. And he said something like this. He goes, Well, everybody knows you're not talking about a building. I look in the eye and say, Uh uh, don't believe it, don't believe it. Ekklesia means people, but in our culture, because the way we treat the word church, sometimes it does mean a building, sometimes it means an organization. And sometimes it means like a club. People say, I'm going to church today. In your mindset, when I say church, when the Bible says the word church, we instantly think about, I'm going to a building. And to some people, unfortunately, when they say church, it's an organization. And sometimes a very noble organization, a service organization. My goodness, churches are known in our community and around, around our nation as, as a group, an organization that helps people. And unfortunately, sometimes it's considered a club, and you get in the club. If you're not in the club, then we're better than you are because we're members of the club, and you're not. And nowhere in Scripture is that found. Because when Jesus said in Matthew that I'm going to build my church, the word is ecclesia. I'm going to build my congregation. I'm going to build my followers. I'm going to build my following on this, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. He never intended to be a club. He never intended to be a building. He never intended to be an organization. It is a group of people who believe in Jesus Christ and therefore are a member of his ecclesia. And if you'll, if you'll go home and just eat lunch and then, like an old, old cow, draw that part of the sermon up and chew on it a while, it will change how you think about how we should do business at the Dorisville Ecclesia. Okay so so to that group of believers that happened to live in Macedonia or excuse me, in Laodicea okay we hear these words the amen uh, the, the the amen is the let it be um, it's it, bring it forth it is true the true and faithful witness in other words in contrast to Laodicea who as you're going to see was not true and was not a faithful witness in contrast to that the one Jesus who is that, the, the originator of God's creation and this simply this is so important because it's a statement of power. Because of the one who's speaking and who he is, we must pay attention. We just spent a wonderful time singing, We will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of, of our testimony. We talked about how powerful and awesome Jesus Christ is. And because he's awesome and powerful, and because of what he did on the Roman cross, and because of what he's done in our lives, we should hear what he has to say. Now, John chapter 1, if you want to turn it I'm going to read it real quickly. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5 says this. In the beginning was the Word, capital W, referring to Jesus, as we learned verse 14. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things. How many? All things. All things were created through Him, and apart from Him, not one thing was created that has been created. So there you go. The one who is speaking is the one who was with God. Jesus didn't start on Christmas morning 2,000 years ago. Before He was here incarnate in the flesh, He was in heaven with God the Father. So He was God all the time. From, from there never was a beginning to there never is an end, He was God. He's Jesus. He's been. And that indicates His power. So to the church of Lodicea, the, the one who says it's certain is true, the faithful true witness, the one who has the power to create says this. I know your works. Does that sound familiar? Every church, he said, I know your works. He looks down on his ecclesia, not a building, not an organization, not a club. He looks down on the ones who have trusted Jesus Christ as Savior and thereby are members of the ecclesia. He looks down and says, I know your works. And here he goes. That you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. There are two things and we're we're gonna to have to finish this up tonight. I'm gonna to somehow tie it in with the potter, Dave. I'm not sure exactly how we're gonna do that, but we're gonna tie it in with the potter tonight. But we've got to finish this thing up tonight. But there are a couple of things in this scripture that I've heard taught over and over again one particular way, and one of them is just flat wrong. You'll have to come back tonight and hear which one that is. This one, I am certain that I probably stood in this church if I've ever preached this scripture, I'm surely I have in thirteen years. About our instant thought is that God is saying that they are not cold, that is, they're not totally in apostasy, but they're not hot either. They're not burning up with a, feather, a fervor of the gospel. But I read three different commentaries, if you'd like the ones you the Bible Knowledge Commentary, the Holman Commentary, and the Life Application Commentary, and I bet I could read a couple more. And Jesus, the master teacher, we forget this. Everything Jesus did when he taught, he backed it up, of course, with with God. But he also illustrated it so well. And we've never got the illustration. Here's the deal. Laodicea was a very wealthy city. But they had a problem. They didn't have any water. Now, they had to pipe their water in. Now, there were two sources that they could have used. One closer than the other. The other was Heratopolis. Okay? Now, they had water. But guess what they were famous for? They had hot mineral springs. Their water wasn't really good to drink, but it was really good for healing. Then Colossae wasn't too far away, and they had cold, refreshing water. So we had two types of water. One is good for healing. It's hot and mineral water. One is Colossae with a cold, refreshing water. And Jesus is saying, I know your works. You don't have this cold, refreshing. When people come to your worship services, there's that cold, refreshing spirit of God. And neither is there a healing presence of God. You see what happens when the ecclesia quits being the ecclesia and becomes a club or an organization or building, it stops being what God wants it to be. And Jesus says, "People don't come in your service and feel healed. They might feel beat up, but they don't feel healed. And in order do people come to your services and feel refreshed? He goes, "And I wish that you were cold or hot. These are not one positive, one negative. Both of them are positives. Speaking of water. Oh, I wish that you had water that was healing. Or water that was freshy. But they had neither one. Now, by the time... Guess how far it was from hierapolis Six miles. The Roman government had built a aqueduct. Stone aqueduct. For six miles. So what do you think happened to that hot, healing water... By the time it traveled six miles in an aqueduct, in the sun, but still six miles, it left that city hot and healing and arrived in Laodicea as lukewarm and bitter. Part of the healing qualities was the heat. It lost its heat and maintained the minerals in the water, and they had to drink it because it's all they had, but it wasn't good. So, so Jesus says these words, starting in verse number, um, let's go, that's verse number 15. I know your works. I know you're neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. Jesus says water should be healing or refreshing, and you're lukewarm. You're not a healing place. You're not a refreshing place. You're an organization. You're a club. You're a building. But you're not acting like the, uh, the ecclesia, because the ecclesia is the one who will heal in the name of Jesus and bring refreshment in the name of Jesus. You see, so many churches today have lost a vision of about what they are and who they are some of them and my daughter was speaking about it in science school we get so bound up in the rules of the organization and that's not good we got to have rules you got to have a constitution you got to have bylaws but we should never let all of that cause us to quit functioning as a healing refreshing ecclesia the people of god amen it's huge guys It's huge. If you want to know what is wrong with the church in America, I just told you. So many churches are clubs. So many churches are organizations. So many churches have beautiful buildings, but they're not a healing place. Nor are they a refreshing place. Clubs, organizations, and buildings. And Jesus said, because you're lukewarm. Because you're not a healing place. Because you're not a refreshing place. Like lukewarm water doesn't taste well. I'm going to spew you. And I love these commentaries are great. Most translations don't use the word vomit because it's offensive. The Greek word is vomit. It's not spew. It's not spit. It's vomit. I will vomit you out of my mouth. Why would Jesus... Take such stern actions. Now, remember now, we're not talking about a bunch of lost people. We're talking about his people, the Ecclesia, And he's not talking about losing the salvation. Don't don't bring that in because it's not there in the context. Why would Jesus be so dramatic? Because he intends for his people to act like and be his people. He intends his people to be light and salt in this world. He intends his people to be presenters of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He doesn't want you to be a club. He doesn't want us to be an organization. He don't want us to be a building. He goes, "I want you to be the ecclesia. I want you to be healing and refreshment in this world in the precious name of Jesus Christ and the sacrifice they did on the cross." I will spew you out. See, not all waters create equal. I mean, can you imagine? We've heard stories. Your ship goes down. You're in a lifeboat with a gallon of water and you're surrounded by water that if you drink it will kill you not all water is created equal salt water if you drink it will dehydrate you and kill you I told the class, Judy just did an incredible job of presenting this, a lesson this morning that involved the ecclesia and I said guys, here's what I want you to hear I wrote down my sermon sheet. God says this. You know, we say about God. God doesn't have much use for a useless church. God doesn't have much use for a useless church. What good is salt that's lost his savor? What did our Savior say? Come on, what did the Savior say? It's good for nothing. Nothing. And God doesn't have much use for a church, an ecclesia, that's useless. And when we take it and, and make it an organization and primary focus on organization, it's useless to kingdom work. When we take it and make it a club, we pay our dues and we're served for no kingdom work. It's useless. When we take it and build a great building and we take pride, we've got a great building. God hasn't much use for an Ecclesia that takes pride only in his building. So Jesus says, I will spew you out. I will vomit you out. It's repulsive to me. So then he goes on. He says, because you say, and that's the identifier Because you say, in verse number 17, I'm rich, I have become wealthy, and I need nothing. Because you say, I'm rich, I have wealth, and I need nothing. Remember what I said at the beginning of the message? What kind of city was Laodicea? Rich. What did the church do? Took on the character of the city. What have churches in America done? We have done the same. We have taken on the character of our nation. We put so much emphasis on our budgets and our programs and our buildings. And the lost are dying and going to hell. And we're busy being a club. We're busy being an organization. We're busy being a building. And he says, because you say this, I've got counsel for you. See, the problem is... Just like the Laodicea city thought, I'm rich, I'm wealthy. I can rebuild after disaster. And the Ecclesia, the church, did the same thing. They depended upon their resources and their religion. We can make it on our resources and on our religion. I'm telling you as your pastor, that is true in too many churches In America today, we have money. You would never say this. I would never say this. No pastor would probably ever say this. But they would indicate in their actions, who needs God? We can meet budget. We can pay the bills. And oh, are we religious. We've got the best show in town. We've got the best worship leader. We've got the best choir. We've got the best praise team. We've got the best instrument. Hey, we've got it going. People will flock to us because we've got money and we've got programs. It's a church in America. The biggest show. The, the best lights. The biggest sound. The loudest preacher. The shortest preacher. Not in height, but in message length. Jesus says, because you have that, I've got a word for you, he says. I'm rich, I've become wealthy, I need nothing. These are tough. No, 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 these are not tough words. These are truthful words. And you don't know. You don't know. You're scary me. Again, I'm making a big deal of the Ecclesia because it's a big deal. Do you understand this was a group of believers? This was not 50% lost and 50% saved. He is speaking to the believers in the church of Laodicea. He says, you don't even know that you're wretched and poor and blind and naked and pitiful. I said, God, do you mean that a church can gather together and be totally unaware of these things? And he said, yes. (laughs) You mean that we can come together as believers in Jesus Christ and not even be aware that we are wretched, poor, blind, naked, and pitiful? Yes. Oh, listen. Some of y'all love it when I bring up America and how America needs God. And I'm telling you, amen. Amen. But the ecclesia has got to come to recognition that we are sick, that we are wretched, we are poor, we are blind, we are pitiful, and we are naked. Because an anemic, anemic, uh, impotent church cannot be used by God to change America or any other nation or any other community or any other high school or any other middle school. We have got to be willing to come to grips and say, okay, God, what is it in my life? Because apparently this junk can exist and I somehow block it out. The word wretched means tormented, unhappy. Um, Paul in Romans chapter 7 says, oh, wretched man that I am, who can deliver me from this body of death? You know what he said? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus is the answer to wretchedness. He says that we are wretched. He says that we are pitiful. And you know what that means? You're going to like this. In need of pity. In need of pity. Every once in my life, Judy, will see somebody do, somebody do something that's incredibly stupid, embarrassing, and they're not even aware of it. And she goes something like this. I'm embarrassed for them. And Jesus would say, you don't know you need it, but you need pity, because you are pitiful in need of pity. Speaking to his exactly ecclesia, I'm not saying Dorsville, because Doris says one ecclesia. He says that you are poor. Poor. We are in a state of spiritual poverty, because he's talking to the church. He obviously wasn't talking physically because they had plenty of money. He said, you're spiritually poor. I used to love to talk with Doug Lambert, one of my favorite people. I imagine if we're able to have conversations in heaven, like sit down and talk, him and I will have a few more. But he said, Dwayne, during the Great Depression, he said, we were poor. And he said, but we didn't know it. Because everybody was. And therein lies the problem. Church after church after church after church. The norm is spiritually poor. Did y'all not think it was strange what Matt said last week? Some of the things he said, did you not scratch your head and say, wait a minute, you're giving up a successful career and you're going to take your family over to a place, a hard place, and you're going to serve Jesus not for three years, but for the rest of your life? Some of y'all are going, that boy drank the wrong kool aid do you understand that's normal? And you understand it seems weird to us because we're poor and we don't know it, and we we live in a society with churches filled with people who think that when you finally get something really real like Matt's got, we kinda of go, that's weird. That's why the guy wrote the book radical. What he you wrote in that book? Is it radical? It's normal. It's normal. But to us it seems radical because we're poor. And not just us, but church after church, religions, doesn't matter. You pick, you know, Lutheran or Catholic or Baptist or Methodist or Pentecostal. Poor people who go, this is normal. It's normal to go a whole week and not open your Bible. It's normal to go a whole week and not pray. It's normal not to ever share your faith like 90% of Christians never do. It's just normal. That's all it is. I got breaking news to you. It ain't. Now, according to that book, it's not. This is a good. Message leading up revival, huh? Says you're poor. Blind. Dr. Bennett is sitting over here. She'll tell you a story. I did not even checked with her. I did not check with her. I bet she can tell you a story. Person will come in and go, Doc, I think I need glasses. And you has this story. And so they, she does a little, is it the one or the two? The three or the four? And all of a sudden it goes clear and the person goes, I can see. Is it possible that the church, the ecclesia, is half blind and doesn't even know it? We've been misguided by preachers who will not preach the truth. We've been misguided by people who will lead churches down paths they should not go. We have bought into society what they're selling. Blind. And then. He says you're naked. Naked. You know, Dave's been really trying to help us see. And I've been trying to help us see. Do you really understand. That your righteousness plays zero role in your salvation. Or in your favor with God. Your righteousness plays no role. In your favor or your salvation with God? It was 100% what happened on this Roman cross or Roman cross like this 2,000 years ago. It is 100% God's grace and not one iota of you. Your righteousness... Let me just read it to you. This is from Isaiah. It says... All our righteousness, for we are like an unclean thing, Isaiah 64, 6. And all our righteousness are like filthy rags. We we all fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. We have no righteousness of our own. It would be putrid to Jesus if we tried to bring that to Him. It would be like that lukewarm water. When we say... I do. I've got a certain set of Christian behaviors that I do. That's what we're famous. You know, you become a Christian and then you do behaviors. You live God's grace. But 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 I come to church. I read my Bible. I pray. And those are great things to do. Those are great things to do, but not to earn God's favor. Those are those are good things to do in the sense it'll help you grow and help you share the kingdom with those who need the kingdom. But not earn God's favor. I love the story of the prodigal son, and I, I don't have time. Boy, I don't have time. Uh, he, he, he went away from the father and did his thing and spent all the money, and man just hit a roadblock, a, a, a train stop, and, and he said, I just gotta I gotta go back home and tell the father, tell my dad I've sinned against him. And I have no rights but i want to come home. And the boy comes up and, and, and he says, he had a whole spill prepared. And he says, Father, I've sinned against you and against heaven. And the father just it cut him off <laughs> and said, just a minute. Go get the best rope. Go get the ring. Kind of, he didn't want to hear anything more than I have sinned against you. And you know what the daddy did? Now, in case you didn't figure it out, this boy had been working with pigs he was filthy, he was dirty, and he stunk. And when the father said, get the best robe, that robe went on that boy and covered his filth. Blotted out his filth. That is what Jesus did for us. Saint Corinthians 5, 21. He who knew no sin, Jesus became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. Now listen, why do you want to try to throw your righteousness in the midst when you already got the righteousness of Jesus Christ? Why do you want to throw in, all oh, well, God, I do this and God do that, when Jesus did it all? He leads us in songs about Jesus did it all. All to Him I owe. Why don't we want to try to go to God and tell God how good we are? Why don't we just spend some time telling God how good He is? You might want to pack the suitcases Because we may be done here when this is over What about it? Naked But Jesus Clothes us In his righteousness So here's what he says we've got to do And we'll have to I'm sorry, we'll have to be quick I advise you to buy from me. Now, don't enter, don't try to twist it and say, well, he's saying you've got to earn your salvation. This isn't about salvation, it's about fellowship. He says it's time to come to the Jesus store. Now, your way didn't work. Your way has led to broken fellowship. Your way has led to clubs and organizations and buildings. The answer to that is go to the Jesus store. And here's what he says. I advise you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you may be, and may I assert the word, truly rich. I advise you to get gold refined from me. And by the way, that's obviously symbolic of pure gold, the real deal, so you may be really rich. Now, here's the deal. Y'all remember what costume jewelry is? Y'all remember that? Well, you remember back in the old days, if you had like a gold necklace, you knew it wasn't gold. I guess that's back when it was made in Taiwan. You know, you look at and go, that's not really gold. They got good now. Y'all walk around and got them heavy gold chains on. Now, some of y'all got real gold chains. I ain't lying to you. But some of y'all got them gold chains and they're more gold than I am. But they look good. They look good. now, And they're more good for you. Until you're broke and you have to hock them things. Now, you take them down to the hocket store, okay? And you say, I want to hawk these in. And they're going to do their little little testy thing. They're going to go, this isn't even real gold. It's worth... This stuff that we come up with, it's fool's gold. It's not real. But Jesus says, you can come to the Jesus store and you can buy real gold. And you'll be really rich. This is enough you didn't know. I mean, when you got Jesus, He's, he's the real gold. He's the real gold. You know what a fool's gold looks like? Looks like religion. You know what fool's gold look like? It's like church. It does. It does. See, I. I'll, I'll, I'll say the real deal. And I'm going to tell you how in a minute. He said, I'm going to give you white clothes. Second time he's mentioned white clothes. White clothes that you may be dressed and your shameful nakedness may not be exposed. He says, come to me and I will give you righteousness. You already have it as a believer. But I'll reveal it to you unless let you start living out that righteousness. And you know, this is so good. Now, I know all y'all just got buckets full of self-esteem. You, you never wrestle with shame. You never wrestle when the scale goes up 20 and don't come down but 5. You never wrestle when your ears are crooked and you ain't got no hair. You never wrestle when you're always the kid not picked on the playground. You're, you never wrestle when you tried out for cheerleading three years in a row and the same girls get it year after year. You're not, you don't wrestle with that. In your world, you're fine. But for the rest of us, he says, you are worth so much, fat or skinny, tall or short, cheerleader or not, smart or dumb, it don't matter. You are valuable to one who matters. And that's God. That's God. I'll I'll give you some white clothes I'm going to give you this righteousness I'm going to give you the best So you'll never should crave second best Or third best Or fourth best No matter how the world tries to sell it to us And he says And then Tell you what we're going to do I'm going to get you some ointment To spread on your eyes So that you may see Now do you understand what a master teacher Jesus is? Laodicea was wealthy He brought in gold they were famous for fabric, that black wool. He brought in garments. And what else were they famous for? Their medical school for eye salve. What a master teacher. And, and, and he says, I'm going to forget that, Leo, to see an ointment. He said, I'm going to give you an ointment that will open and heal your eyes. I, I will allow you to see the truth. We ain't got time. Great story over in John in chapter 9. A blind man was there. Been blind since birth. And Jesus walked up to him in his great story. You need to read the previous verses. But Jesus walked up and he did something incredibly gross. You You would spank your kid for this. He picks up some dirt, puts it in his hand, and goes... Read your Bible. You all to read your Bible. There's some good stuff in there. Mixes it up. Makes kind of a putty. And takes it and put it on that man's eyes. Now, Benna, I know that doesn't sound like a good eye ornament. But you know, Jesus, all things are possible. <laughs> you know, when Jesus gets into factor, some things that we think are pretty gross become pretty cool. He put that stuff... On that man's eye, he said, now you go wash in the pool of Stallone. And that fellow said, take my hand, you know, to a fella, Took him over to the pool of which means sin. He came back. He, <laughs> come on now, y'all preaching the sermon. Come on, he could see. He could see. The blindness was gone. Jesus can do that. Now, it was gross. And I don't know if he actually lifted the lid up like, you know, Ben, how you do sometimes. I don't he's got that nice grainy sand all in the eyeball, and we're going. That might hurt. Now, when Jesus involved, and, and what's cool is, and there's a lot of story, you know. And they said, "Is this the guy that was sitting by the road?" No, it's somebody like him. That guy was blind. This guy's not blind. So finally, the the the, the Pharisees caught up with him. Said, "Tell us about this guy." He goes, "Well, all I know his name is Jesus." And here's one thing I know. Verse 25. Here's one thing I know. I once was blind. But now I see. Does that sound familiar? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was fine but now? I see. Now, that's the power of Christ working in the ecclesia. That's what things start happening. When the church leaves the building, the church leaves the organization, the church leaves the, the, the club and says, we're going to be the people of God. It may look different, but we would better be a little bit different and be with Jesus than look like the world and not be. Now, one more scripture and we're done. I told you, I tell you, way back, about 400 years before Jesus' time, the prophet Isaiah wrote a scripture to the children of Israel that really shows the heart of Jesus for people. Here's what Isaiah 55, 1-3 says. Come. Come. Everyone who is thirsty, come to the waters. And you, listen, and you without money, come, buy, and eat. Don't need money. Because the things of God are, well, you can do two things. You can say, A, they're free, or B, they're already paid for. Your choice. He says... Why do you spend money on what is not food And your wages on what does not satisfy Listen carefully to me Eat what is good And you will enjoy the choices of foods Pay attention and come to me Listen so that you will live Now I will make an everlasting covenant with you The promises assured to David The things that God wants to give you Now now my friends here without Jesus Okay I'm going to bring you in Okay, Hope you all enjoyed the ride But now I want you to bring it in not about church, not about don't do this, not about being a Baptist. Okay? But Jesus Christ is a real person historical figure. Notice I said is because they killed him and he got up on the third grade, third third day. And you always go with a guy who gets up on the third day. Always. He endured a cross because the Bible says that all of us have sinned and the and the pain of that sin is death. So rather than you die, Jesus died on a Roman cross. And not only that, God hates sin and all that wrath was poured out on Jesus that day. So it don't have to be poured out on you. And you know what? It's free. Jesus really did pay it off. What we could not even pay for, he said, you know, in Isaiah 55, he says, Don't bring your money because you, you can't pay for it. You ain't got enough. You ain't got nothing. You ain't got nothing. But Jesus will forgive you and let you come in a relationship with holy God. By believing and trusting Him. It does involve repentance, like David said. Turning from your sin. This isn't telling Jean, Jesus, oops, I made a mistake. It's understanding that you have sinned against Holy God. That Jesus died. And if you ask Him to, by faith and believe, He'll forgive your sins. That's what it means. And Bray will be standing down front in just a minute and he wants to tell you all about that. I'll be down here. I, will be, I bet David quit singing music to come tell you about that. It's the coolest, greatest thing in the world. In fact, out of this world. It's really cool. But it's not church. It's not quitting and starting. It's not religion. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's, that's my good news for you, and we'd love to tell you about that. Now, for the rest of us, again, we can't buy this. I'm not saying, oh, I need to start reading my Bible. Oh, oh I need to pray more. Oh, oh. Because, see, you're thinking performance. You're saying, if you do this stuff, like God's going, oh, wow. That's not about that. It's about Jesus saying, I want my people to be my people. And the purpose of my people being my people is so my people can tell other people about me. That's what Matt was talking about. That's why he said, don't call me a hero. Don't make it a big deal. Don't make it a sacrifice. He just... Being the people. <laughs> and God wants us to be the people. That's really what kind of yesterday was about. Wasn't it? Did you know what he said? Now, let me tell you something. I felt kind of bad because when I, when I left this place, I had more. I, I was a sucker out. Me and my little shop back. But you, you know, you do that. You got to get under the steering wheel and up and down. And around. And the time I left, I was sore. But then Matt Wise, who's a lot younger than me, said he was sore too. But do you understand that every one of those people sat down with Jackie or someone else and heard about Jesus? You know what that was? That wasn't, that wasn't changing oil. And, and you know what that was? It was the people being the people. And the, the people being the people told the people about Jesus. So those people can maybe come to know Him like we did. Isn't that cool? So, next week, Tim Sadler is going to stand here. And our theme is Renewal, and retool. It's perfect. Renewal means a refreshment. Retool means reshaping and preparing to be the people of God. The ecclesia that God wants us to be. Renewal and retool. He'll start here on Sunday morning. And then Sunday afternoon at 4 o'clock, we're going to be the ecclesia, the people of God. And we're going to go out to the park and we're going to minister to people so they might know Jesus. And then Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, we're going to be back in the sanctuary and we're going to be renewed and retooled some more. Four opportunities for worship, one opportunity for service. Don't miss it. We're providing supper at 445 to 545 so you can get off work, sit down for a few minutes, then come eat supper and then be renewed and retooled. I hope, I hope that God would just put this desire in your heart. I don't know how you're going to respond to this message. You know, I really don't know. I don't. Some of y'all gonna go. You shouldn't all talk like that. But some of y'all gonna go. Maybe create a hunger. You know. I hope that happened. I hope by now you're going. Okay. I've got to know more about the Ecclesia thing and what Jesus really expects me to do or be in His name. I'm hoping that's what happened. And that's Tim's job. Next week it's Tim's job to come and build on this series and what we talked about. Now, for preparation tonight, we're gonna to be praying. Um, we're gonna be singing. Um, we're going to have a special, special uh, demonstration of the Potter and the Clay tonight with uh, Libby Moorecraft, and I'll be sharing something from the Word of God. So that starts at 6 o'clock, so I really hope you'll come. So go ahead and bow your heads. Um, we're going to have a, a decision time. And that, Brent will be standing right here. And Brent's job today, again, if you want to know more about Jesus, I want to invite you to come. And then... Um, if you want to come and pray about something going on in your life, we'd be glad to pray with you about that. If you want to learn more about joining this, this family of believers, that's cool. We'd love to talk to you about that. If you're, a, if you're a follower of Christ but you've never been baptized, oh, my goodness, we'd love to talk to you about that. Um, if there's anything else, like say you're just hurting, we can pray with you about that. That would be great. But this is a launching pad for next week. It might even be called, I'm not a believer in laying out fleeces. There might be times you to say, Okay, God, I'm going to ask you to use next week to teach me. To teach me on being the person, the people that you desire us to be. Now, God, I thank you for the privilege of sharing not only this message, but the last seven weeks. I want to thank you for the faithfulness of the people. They come back week after week after week. But, God, for me, and I know for these people, this was the most challenging message. This is the most challenging message. Because it. Takes us out of our comfort zone of, of what we know as Western culture in church. And you may call some to give their lives away in a foreign field somewhere. You may call some to, to serve here in the ministries. You challenge all of us, perhaps, to be a better uh, representative of you in our school, our job, we might be. Father, take us out of our comfort zone today. We love you, Jesus. How could we not? We're never going to hell. We have the privilege, the privilege of being your people. How could we not love you? So have your way today, Jesus. And we pray in your precious name.